You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone, once again. Uh, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, today we're kicking off this new series called Adulting. I'm really excited about this. Uh, one quick just uh, side note. If I see a little, seem a little tired, this weekend I was at our Royal Ranger Boys Camp Out. Um, so if you have boys, man, it was a blast. My son really enjoyed it. Got to run around, go fishing, and camp out. Um, but uh, that's why the boys will be coming back later, uh, probably here by uh, the time church gets out. But uh, it was an incredible weekend, about 30 kids and boys, boys and dad, their dads, and uh, it was an amazing, amazing weekend with that. And today, as we're kicking off this brand new series called Adulting, uh, I thought it'd be fun to share some of my favorite adulting memes that I've come across. So I don't know if any of you like memes. If you don't, suffer through it, because here we go. Um, here is a, a good one. I've hit the age where I understand why people are so happy to win an appliance. You guys there? <laughs> I am totally there. Get a, get a good dishwasher. goes a long way. Or, hello, I'd like to cancel my trial, of, uh, trial run of adulthood, please. Um, maybe you've been there this week. Uh, next one, uh, it's, I'm still waiting for the day my parents will say, it's all fake. We're millionaires. This is just a, to teach you how to be humble. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful? They just call you up and say, you can quit your job now. We're millionaires. All right. Um, Remember playing Mario Kart and thinking you were in first place until you realized you were looking at the wrong screen and you were actually crashing into the walls? That's adulthood. Isn't that the truth? That is so true. <laughs> uh, I don't play video games real well. We had a, a video game thing with some of our staff and we were playing Mario Kart and that was me. I'm like, man, I am killing this. This is awesome. And someone wins. I was like, I thought I won. They're like, no, you were in like that square. You're, you haven't even finished. You're barely past the starting line. Anyway, um, Adulthood is like looking both ways before you cross the street and then getting hit, hit by an airplane. <laughs> how true, how true. Too much adulting in one day. You feel that way sometimes. Um, and of course, this is one of the best. My expectation is me trying my best. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't leave out the Pat bus, right? We were joking we're going to have a uh, sinkhole Sunday and invite the Pat bus driver here to interview them about their heroic moment uh, on the bus. Anyway, I'm just joking about that. Um, now, the idea of this series, real, real quick, um, is regardless of your age, adulting can be really difficult. Uh, it doesn't matter the season of life you're in. Uh, it's because responsibility is difficult, and we all handle that differently. And in the end, our ability to take on, take on responsibility is directly connected to our ability to grow into the man or woman of God that we believe God created you to be. And, and you might, might uh, label that process as maturity, maturing. And, and maturity, and this is kind of the whole idea of this series, maturity is taking responsibility for our decisions and the responses to what life sends our way. And, and this is the whole idea of adulting. It's really maturing, growing in our responsibility. And speaking of maturity, uh, in 1984, Madonna released her most groundbreaking album ever called Like a Virgin. And on that album, uh, there was a song that became an anthem of the 1980s that really sums this idea, uh, uh, this, this period up uh, on this song called Material Girl. Some of you, you can, you can hum along. 
Don't, don't, don't go too loud, okay? Don't embarrass yourself. But the chorus goes, because we're living in a material world and I'm a material girl. You know that we are living in a material world and I am a material girl. Now, you guys can go back, get the live stream, you know, capture that, and now you have your pastor saying, I'm a material girl. Um, but uh, this song would really become an anthem uh, for a generation. Uh, it's, it, it epitomized 80s excess and the increasing divide between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, this song was so powerful because it spoke to the human, universal human desire for more. And uh, today, for most people, the greatest good that we can uh, achieve is experiencing the greatest pleasure, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. We want to experience the greatest pleasure, whether it's looking at porn on your phone, cheating on your husband or wife because someone else besides your spouse gives you more pleasure, or, or, or breaking the bank for that new iPhone or, or that new TV. Uh, it's, it's all because it will make you happy. And, and we've summed up this whole pursuit as the pursuit of happiness. And we believe that whatever makes you happy is always going to be worth the cost. It's always going to be worth the effort. It's always going to be worth the pursuit. And as a result of this, we live in a time where the general population has never, uh, never had a greater level of fear of missing out or FOMO than we've ever seen before. We want to experience all that life has to offer and enjoy its deepest pleasures, even if they could potentially destroy some of our greatest life's accomplishments. And, and even in church, we're guilty of this in some way, of adopting, adopting this cultural norm where whether it be how we worship or how we don't worship, how we parent our kids, how we love our spouse, we have become convinced that the biggest goal of our lives is to experience our greatest comfort. So we, we go out of our way to do that. And we buy into this mantra that life will be at its best when I am at my happiest. If I can just be happy, life will be great. And in doing this, we begin to pursue something that we will never fully possess on our own. Ultimate pleasure. We try it. We strive for it. You see, there's no amount of money, time, or opportunities that will fulfill the insatiable human desire for more. More stuff, more money, more happiness, more pleasure. It's a bottomless pit that will only leave you wanting more. In fact, one of the wealthiest men in all of human history— a guy by the name of Solomon, he was the king of Israel around 1010 BC. He achieved everything that we would say should make you happy in his life. He had wealth and riches. He had the big mansions and houses. He had the most beautiful women, influence and power. He had it all. And, and he possessed everything that we hold on to that's supposed to make us happy. And as he reflected back over his life, in light of the godly heritage his father David had passed on to him, he comes to some really stark revelations that he, he writes about in, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Here's what he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was my reward for all my toil. What's he saying? He said, I had whatever I wanted. If, if I desired it, if I longed for it, if I thought it would bring me pleasure, I had it. I denied myself nothing. I had it all. And then he comes to the realization in verse 11. He said, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was, can you read this word with me? What, everything was what? Meaningless. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was, what's this word? Gained. Nothing was gained under the sun. Can you imagine being Solomon in this moment. 
You've spent a good portion of your life to achieve status, to, to, to achieve pleasure and happiness. And, and as you reflect back over the progress you thought you were making, you're left saying nothing was gained. He, he was arguably one of the wealthiest men in human history. He was well, world-renowned in his day. He did some remarkable things, had incredible wisdom. He had it all. You name it, he had it. And yet he looks back over his life and all that he achieved, all that he gathered and accumulated, and he says nothing was gained. How helpless is that? You see, when our pleasure, our happiness becomes our ultimate goal, we will sacrifice any amount of progress we hope to see in our lives. And and this is a simple thought that I want to share with you, simple idea today, that when pleasure is our priority, progress becomes an impossibility. When our top priority is pleasure, we're not going to see progress in our life because we will constantly shortchange progress for the sake of pleasure. And you might think, yeah, you know, that was thousands of years ago. Solomon's like long gone. Uh, Surely uh, 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 human beings have become more enlightened like we figured this out. Um, we, We got this all figured out. Maybe not. You know, at the age of 16, pop artist Justin Bieber was worth close to $10 million net worth. Could you imagine being a 16 year old net worth of $10 million. Uh, I think most 16-year-olds struggle with having a net worth of $100 and $10 million. And and listen to what he said about his life. He wrote this. He said, I want my world to be fun. No parents, no rules, no nothing. Like, no one can stop me. In in other words, kind of stealing from Solomon's words, I will deny myself nothing my eyes desire. I refuse my heart no pleasure. Whatever I want, I can have. And it's interesting that the human heart and our pursuits really haven't changed that much from Solomon's time until today. It's because the human heart is the same. We have this unquenchable desire for more. And if left unchecked, we run ourselves into the ground. But in our pursuit of more, we will always shortchange the journey toward growth and maturity in every area of our life. We may experience momentary happiness or pleasure, but we're always going to be left with lasting regret. Because when pleasure is our priority, progress becomes an impossibility. And to see progress in our lives, whatever area it might be, it demands that we are willing to sometimes deny momentary pleasures. That that doesn't mean we beat ourselves into submission, we seek out pain or try to make ourselves as miserable as possible. But, But really, we deny momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. I don't care what area you're talking about in your life. This is important. This is true in every area. You, you want to be getting better shape? You have to deny momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. You get up early to work out. You go to the gym even when it's not comfortable or convenient. Even though you love sweets, you give them up for a better diet. That's except for Halloween. You can, that's, a, that's a window, okay? So if you're on a diet, you know, take that window. Just don't take it too far. Uh, this isn't because you're punishing yourself. Like, you don't do this stuff just to be mean to yourself. Like, man, you were really not good today. I'm going to punish you and take all the sweets away. Or I'm going to make you go run for an hour. Um, this isn't to punish yourself. It's because you deny some momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress in your life. Uh, maybe you want to, you know, get your finances in order. You have to determine your needs and your wants and stop putting money toward all your wants Whether it's eating out, premium cable, that sweet smartphone, it's denying momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. Or or maybe you want to be the best employee at your workplace. You have to deny momentary pleasure for the sake 
of lasting progress. You're, you're willing to do the projects that no one else will do. You're, you're willing to be the best employee even when it's not easy, even when it's difficult, even when it costs you something. You're willing to do that. Why? Because you're, you're denying momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. The same is true in our journey of faith. If you want to see progress on this journey, you have to deny momentary pleasure for, the last, for lasting progress. We, we often have this idea that, that the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of Jesus are parallel paths, but they're not. They're not, they're not parallel paths at all. God's goal for you, his goal for me, isn't that you would be miserable. But equally true, his goal for you isn't that you'd be happy either. His goal for us is to help us discover who we were ultimately created to be and to step into that. It's not to be happy, it's actually to be purposeful, to be fulfilled, to be useful. This is what Jesus shared with his disciples in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. He said this, then, it says this in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's a painful statement. We don't want to take up a cross. We don't want to deny ourselves. But we have to deny momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. And he goes on in verse 25. Here's what he said. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. Does that mean that we're all going to get killed or we're all going to die? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying when you're willing to deny your pleasure... You're willing to have moment, momentarily deny pleasure. You get to experience progress. And he goes on, verse 26. What good, is, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, when pleasure is your priority, when that's your ultimate goal, when everything you do, everything you hope to accomplish, the end goal is pleasure, is happiness, is comfort. You will always sacrifice progress. Progress will become an impossibility. This is what Jesus is trying to share with his disciples. Jesus even modeled this when he went to the cross. He could have backed out of this entire plan of dying on the cross for all of humanity. He had a lot of opportunities. He could have easily done that, but he didn't. He denied his pleasure and comfort in that moment for the sake of lasting progress that would result in his sacrificial death for all of mankind. The author of Hebrews describes this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He said this, Because of the joy awaiting him, speaking of Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. So this is the first part. He denied momentary pleasure. He, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And then it gets to the second part. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He, he saw progress, progress that we are still reaping the benefits from today. We stand here today, 2,000 years later, because of what Christ did. And when pleasures are priority, progress will become an impossibility. And let me say one thing about this real quick that could be sometimes misunderstood. Pleasure is not evil. Being comfortable isn't sinful. Being happy isn't necessarily contrary to God's will for you. It's not like God wants us all to be mopey and depressed and miserable all the time. What, what we see Solomon alluding to and Jesus sharing in Matthew 16 is that when those things become our ultimate pursuit, we will never see true growth, progress, or healthy development in our lives. It's impossible because they are, they are co uh, conflicting pursuits. Pursuing pleasure and pursuing progress, they counteract each other. Paul addresses God's ultimate goal of progress for us in his second letter to the Corinthian church. He writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 
He said, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. See, God's goal isn't for us to be happy or even perfect. His goal for us is progress. That each day, you could become more and more like what Christ longs for you to be, what he created you to be, what he wants to see you be as a man or woman of God. It's not about perfection. I know we put that standard up there. We just want to be perfect. We want everything to look as awesome as it does on an Instagram feed. And we're like, man, if if I could just look that way all the time, this would be awesome. Uh, That's not reality. God's desires progress in our life, in every area of our life. That maybe you're like, man, I, I, I don't pray real well. I hate praying or I hate opening God's word. You don't have to like go from that to praying five hours every day. Progress. Maybe start 10 minutes, five minutes. Maybe read a few verses every day from God's word. It's not perfection and it's not happiness. It's progress. And in progress, you find fulfillment. Fulfillment isn't found in happiness. Fulfillment isn't found in getting everything you want or everything your heart desires or longs for or everything that you just have to have. That's not fulfillment. Fulfillment is found in progress. Fulfillment is found in seeing growth and looking back over your life, not like Solomon, but being able to look back over your life and see, wow, I grew so much. I'm proud of how I handled the responsibility of my life. That's truly adulting. I'm proud of what I did or even when I messed up, how I responded in those moments. This is such a huge shift for us to make. We, we hate denying our pleasure because it feels good. It feels right. In fact, uh, it's celebrated throughout our culture. But I'm telling you, the shift can happen. We see Solomon make this shift over his life. As he looks back over his, his accomplishments and all that he did, uh, he shifts his thinking and approach to the pleasures he enjoyed. It's recorded a few chapters later in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, or verse 18. He says this, This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction. I'll stop there for a second. Isn't it important? He's, he's going through all this, and he talks about satisfaction. It's, it's okay to find satisfaction in your toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. In other words, pleasure and comfort aren't bad but recognize them in the light of satisfaction, not constantly longing for more. And he goes on in verse 19. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. You see, in, the, in our pursuit of more, our desire for greater pleasure, we will always find ourselves wanting more, falling short, never finding that satisfaction. Progress happens when we recognize that that God has given us all that we have and that that we can find satisfaction in it, that, that, that he just wants us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted us with, that we can make the most of that. That is true satisfaction. That is where we find progress in our lives. In fact, it's not just a shift that Solomon made. We even see more recently Justin Bieber making that shift uh, where, where he's now worth over 245 million. 10 million is a lot. 245 million, you can't even, you could buy like 100 houses with that. That's incredible. Um, 245 million, even with more money, opportunities, and status than he had at 16. Listen to, to this quote he recently wrote. Listen to this. He said, I'm telling you people, every day we wake up is another blessing. See that shift in mindset? This isn't just something you read about in the Bible, like all the Bible people are perfect and they got it all figured out. That's not really true because they're not, read the Bible, they're pretty messed up too. But, but even in today's day and age, we can make that shift 
It doesn't have to be about I have to experience more. I have to find my, my greatest comfort. Life is about the blessings you already have, not the ones you're obsessed with pursuing. I don't know about you, but I want to reach the end of my life, and, and I don't want to come to the conclusion Solomon did. I don't want one day to be laying there on my deathbed, looking back and saying, I regret everything I invested my life into. It was empty. It was hollow. It was a bottomless pit. It was unfulfilled. All I wanted was to, to experience greater pleasure, and I saw zero progress in my life. I want to be able to look back and to see the difference that I made because I was willing to deny momentary pleasure for the sake of progress. Because I knew that lasting progress was far more important. If, if you have kids, I'm telling you this is one of the greatest lessons that we have to learn. Momentary pleasure, deny that for the sake of lasting progress. In your workplace, in, in any area of your life, especially in your journey of faith, it's not about being comfortable and having everything come to you easy. I, I, I want to make sure that at the end of my life, I can look back and say my life was full. My life was uh, fulfilled. That I find satisfaction in what I've done. As the saying goes, you can't have your cake and eat it too. In our pursuit of pleasure, what we end up doing is we make pleasure our master. You might think, I'm nothing, I make nothing my master. No, you make pleasure your master. Pleasure begins to dictate what we can and cannot do. Our lives become determined totally based on what's convenient and comfortable for us. If it's not convenient, if it's not comfortable, I don't want any part of it. But we never get to experience the fruit of what's inconvenient, what's uncomfortable. If we constantly dictate our lives based on what's easy, what's pleasurable, what's comfortable, we will never experience what's on the other side of the uncomfortable, of the inconvenient. Read the story of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus healed the blind, the sick, the lame, those, those diagnosed with uh, things like, like uh, leprosy. He, he, he did all of those things in very inconvenient moments where, where, where his schedule, his plan was interrupted and it was inconvenient for him. We, we so often want the results of the inconvenient and uncomfortable without the cost. But as Jesus said, we have to count the cost and be willing to pay that cost. You want to see yourself become a better leader in your workplace, in your home, in your community? Put the time in. Start reading. Start working at it. You, you want to see yourself become a, a better uh, Bible reader or, or, or a better parent Whatever, whatever you want to put in that blank, you have to be willing to deny momentary pleasure for the sake of lasting progress. You will never see progress when pleasure is your priority. As the worship team comes today, can you imagine, can you imagine if some of the early church leaders had responded this way, and I just want things to be easy or pleasurable? Paul would never have planted the churches that he planted because it was too difficult. Peter would have never endured persecution because it was painful. The church most certainly would not have survived the first generation, let alone the last 2,000 years. We would not be standing here today if they had not denied their pleasure for the sake of progress. They established the church literally with their blood, sweat, and tears. Sacrifice is so important. And, and I hope... I hope today you can hear my heart in this. 
It's not to squash happiness or to say that followers of Jesus should be miserable people, angry people, discouraged people, or any of that. But rather that true growth and progress on our journey of faith and, and, and for our life in general will never happen if we allow pleasure to be our ultimate pursuit. If we buy in to the lie that I will be happiest when I find the most pleasure. That life will be at its best when I am the happiest. If we buy into that lie, we will never see progress in our life. You might have momentary pleasure, but you will never see progress. And, and as we close today, I want to ask you a few, a couple quick questions. I think it's important for us to reflect back in our own lives. The first question is this. Where is pleasure getting in the way of progress in my life? Where do you find pleasure getting in the way of progress in your life? Have your finances become a victim of your spending habits? Has your health become a casualty of your your biggest food cravings? Has freedom in any area of your life been impossible because you've been trapped in a prison of pleasure? Or, Or has your journey of faith stalled out because the only time you spend with Jesus is when it's easiest or when it's convenient for you? Where is pleasure getting in the way of progress in your life? That's the first question I want you to ask. Where is it? Maybe it's a question you asked today. Maybe it's one you need to reflect over, reflect on throughout this week. And the second question is, what pleasure do I need to start denying to see progress achieved in my life? That's the action step. What pleasure do I need to start denying? See, this isn't about making yourself miserable, but recognizing that sacrifice paves the way for progress in every area of your life. What what pleasure do you have to start denying to see progress achieved in your life? For, For some of us here today, you've been on this crazy journey, a journey that has twists and turns and ups and downs, and you've been trying to figure this all out. You don't know what you're going to do. You're confused maybe. Maybe life is uncertain. And you've been trying to make it on your own. And this adulting thing is really hard because responsibility is so very hard. And there are times that you don't know if you can be responsible for some of the outcomes. You can be responsible for some of the things in your life, things that maybe you did to yourself or that others have done to you. And you're trying to take responsibility, but you don't know if you can. You don't know if you have the ability to. I want you to know today that there was someone that took responsibility for your life long before you were ever born. Your creator took responsibility for your life. With all the mess, the mistakes, all the baggage, all the junk, the one that shaped you, that formed you, the the one that made you the way you are, he took responsibility for your life before you were ever born, before ever you breathed your first breath. He said, you know what? Before they even screw up, before they even mess up, before they even bring life upon themselves or experience pain or sorrow or disappointment or discouragement, before they ever experience any of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the solution. Jesus came to this earth not to, to start a religion, not so that we have something to do on Sundays or at Christmas or at Easter. Jesus came to this earth to take responsibility for your life for your outcomes that you don't have the power to take responsibility for yourself. We find ourselves so often chasing the shadow of our past. We can't outrun it. We try to outrun it. We try so hard, but we can't. And it keeps following us. 
2,000 years ago, Jesus died upon the cross, not so that we can hang it in a church, not so that we can wear it around our neck. He died upon a cross to remove that shadow that you don't have to be defined any longer by your past, by your mistakes, that you can carry a new identity. The Bible says that you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus, that that identity shifts. And it's no longer about what I can get for myself. It's no longer about how do I outrun my past. It now becomes about, God, how can I ultimately accomplish your purpose for my life? Life becomes fulfilled, purposeful. You see progress because you're denying momentary pleasure. And in a minute, we're going to pray. Maybe you're here and say, Nick, I've been trying to figure this out for so long. I've been trying to take responsibility for my own life. And I believe the first step in taking responsibility for your life is recognizing the one who ultimately has responsibility. It's your creator. It's God. It's what he did through his son, Jesus, on the cross. Taking responsibility for your life and saying, I want to forgive you of every wrong you have ever done. And not just that, because that's cool. That's your past. But he has a future for you. And I've got an amazing dream for your life, a plan for your life that would blow your socks off if you knew it. God has that for your life. And then when he can forgive you of your past and all that baggage, you get to step into this new life as a new creation in Christ Jesus and become what only God could have ever envisioned for you to be. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for the blessings you've given us. God, so often we keep our eyes forward and and, and wanting more, experiencing more, and trying to get more pleasure and comfort. God, let us recognize, as we read about today, the blessings you've already placed under our care. God, let us find satisfaction, contentment in what you've given us. God, today, as we take this opportunity to pray, Lord, I know there are those that they've been trying to take that responsibility for themselves. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to them. Let them see the responsibility you've taken as you sent your son, Jesus, to die in our place, taking the consequences that we deserve upon your shoulders. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here, you can say, Nick, I've never taken that step to follow Jesus. I've never experienced his forgiveness. I've never stepped into his purpose. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. And that's not something crazy. There's no super spiritual thing that happens in that moment. It's you making an act of your will. That momentary, denying that momentary pleasure, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and be quiet, but I'm going to raise my hand for lasting progress. I'm going to begin this amazing journey of stepping into the purpose I was created for, experiencing the forgiveness of my past. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, three, would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? We're going to pray together. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else today? Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me together. This isn't like a magic prayer, nothing super spiritual about it, nothing crazy about it. This is really just a conversation with God that I want to lead you in. Maybe you're not comfortable or or used to having conversations with God. That's all prayer is. I want to lead you in that to to hopefully start a wonderful habit of talking to God in in every area of your life and every day of your life. Would you all pray this prayer with me together, whether you raised your hand or not? Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking responsibility for that which I didn't have the power to take responsibility for myself. Today I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to 
follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Before we go, this is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 